down front, right down front. All the kids between second and fifth grade, we're always glad to have them with us, so come on down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on that front row there, so I'm going to, like we, like we usually do, okay? Come on over, man. Come on over. So, yeah, I'm going to sit right here. All right. Well, man, it's always good to have you guys in here with us. Do you remember what we talked about the last time you were here? It's been a month. You remember, don't you? What? What is the church? Yeah, we were talking about that a lot, weren't we? That's very good, man. Very good. I got a question for you this morning. What is a benefit? Ah, yes, what is a benefit? You you get something, something somebody offers you. That's that's really that's that's good. Yeah. Anybody else? A benefit. I mean, you've you've heard that word, but what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. Something you something you do all the time. Well, not not quite. Okay. So so here's what a benefit is. A benefit is something good that comes to somebody. Because they're a part of something. Does that make sense? Something good that comes to somebody because they are a part of something. Um, okay, so for example, what would the benefit of going to McDonald's for lunch be? Yes. Your meal. Your meal. Happy meal, anyone? Yeah. What is the benefit of getting a happy meal. The toy. The toy. Yeah. Do what? It's delicious. It's delicious. Okay. I thought somebody was going to say the apples. No way, right? Yeah, yeah. When I was your age, they didn't even offer apples in, in, a, in a happy meal. So, it, what? They, they don't even realize that that's even possible. Yeah, they didn't even offer apples in a happy meal when I was your age. Yeah, yeah. Just the french fries, I hear you, I hear you. Okay, so here's another question. What is the benefit of going to grandma and grandpa's house? Oh, yeah. Colin, what is, what is the benefit? To spend time with them. That's good, yes. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. She usually has something delicious for you. Absolutely, yes. What's the benefit? Ice cream. Anybody else? Ice cream? And gra- oh, yeah. Um, how about this one? Um, anything you want at Grandma's house? Oh, yeah. That's a benefit of going to Grandma's, right? Okay, so here's my last question for you. What is the benefit of knowing Jesus? Go to heaven. That's right. What? God's word? Oh, yeah, that's good. Having him in your heart, yeah, that's good, that's good. Get to spend eternal life with him, yes.
You lost it. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, you'll know what to do. He'll, he'll, he'll guide you through. Yeah, that's good. Wyatt, you got another one? Pray. Be saved. Yeah. Loving him. Loving him. That's right. That's right. So today, we're starting a new series in the book of Ephesians, and we're talking about all the benefits that we have of knowing Jesus. So I'm so glad that you're here um, thanks for your thanks for your answers to your questions. You can stand up and go back to your seat. All right. If you would open your Bibles or Bible apps to the Book of Ephesians as we start uh, a new series. I've just entitled "In Christ" uh, as we kind of take a step by step walk through. Uh, this this letter that Paul wrote to a church that he dearly loved the people there. Uh, I count at least 30 times the phrase in Christ or something similar is used there. And while they're mostly in the first three chapters, it shows up at least once in all six. And so Ephesians, it tells us both the riches we have in Christ, but also the responsibilities. Um, this church started back in Acts 19. And history tells us that Paul spent uh, two years with these new believers. Uh, Acts 19.10 says that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of Jesus through the work the Lord did here in, in Ephesus. Verse 12 says that handkerchiefs and aprons from Paul uh, were being brought in and just by touching them, People were being healed and, and demons were, were, were exercised just by touching uh, the same handkerchiefs that Paul had, had, uh, had touched. And so all these miracles, they tell us something important about Ephesians, and it is number one on your outline. Uh, we have to be thinking in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm. Now if I were to tell you, as believers in Jesus... We are the richest people in the world. Most of you would say, uh, in your hearts, you would say, amen to that. Uh, but then if you uh, started thinking about it a little deeper, you might think, well, you know what? I know there are people in this world who do not know Jesus as their Savior, whose bank accounts are bigger than mine. Um, I will never forget uh, five years ago for our anniversary trip, we went to Longboat Key, Florida, and we were walking down the beach and we came to this uh, humongous house. It was, it was uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a mansion right there on the beach, stone, and it looked like it was something out of, out of a movie or a, or a magazine. Uh, we found out later that uh, Ralph Lauren had lived there before, and it was for sale. It could have been ours for $21 million. Now, uh, we decided uh, we just didn't care for it enough to pay that much for it, you know, so, so we, didn't, we didn't buy the house. Um, but I don't know about you, but our house is not worth $21 million. If somebody If somebody offered that to me, uh, we would probably take it. So we know people with uh, bigger bank accounts, uh, more valuable houses uh, that don't know, 
don't know the Lord? How is it that we are the richest people on the planet? Well, it's because of what we have in Christ. It's because of the spiritual realm, heavenly places as it's sometimes translated in the King James. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. See, spiritual blessings come in heavenly places. And if we are only concerned about the physical, then we will miss them. Remember the message from a few weeks ago, cat and dog theology. Cats are concerned about houses and bank accounts and how God is blessing theirs, but dogs are concerned with heavenly places. And so this series, it, it, it ties in well to the series we've been in this summer, the investigation of the church. Even though Ephesians was written to this church in Ephesus, it applies to this church here in Potosi. So if you're looking on your outline there, you'll see that the book is divided into two sections. Chapters 1 through 3, they give doctrine. What we believe and why we believe it about the riches that we have in Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 give duty. How what we believe about the riches we have in Christ affect our daily lives. What responsibilities do we have being in Christ? And so there's teaching to the church corporate and to the church Personal riches and responsibility, doctrine and duty, content and conduct. In Acts 19, the Ephesian church is born. And like all these early churches, Ephesians started in the midst of great pagan worship, persecution, and spiritual darkness. Specifically, the worship of the goddess Diana, or it's sometimes uh, translated as Artemis. So Acts 19, it tells the environment this Ephesian church was born into. Follow along as we read Acts 19.23. About that time there arose a great commotion about the way, that is, Jesus. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, You know that we have our prosperity in this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. And so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now, when they heard this, Verse 28, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. Skip over to verse 32. Someone therefore cried one thing and some another for the assembly was confused and most of them didn't know why they were there, why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out from the multitude. The Jews putting him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice, for about two hours, they cried, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So just so we see what's going on here, this riot broke out in Ephesus because the idol makers were afraid the way would get in the way of their business. Imagine that. 
We have an environment that is hostile towards the church and to Jesus. It's sounding more and more familiar, isn't it? The question becomes, how do you survive and thrive in an environment such as this? And one of the answers is, you focus on the spiritual realm. You live for the spiritual realm. And Ephesians will hopefully help us get more insight on that. We know that Paul deeply loved these believers in Ephesus. He was their spiritual father. In Acts 20, there is a lengthy farewell between him and the elders of this church, complete with tears. They were on the beach. Paul was getting ready to, to load a boat, board a ship that would eventually take him to Rome and his death. And he knew that he would never see them again. Notice his words to these early church leaders in verse 25. Indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. In verse 28, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So in other words, Paul told these Ephesian believers God's word. Listen, I know the environment you're in. I know that the enemy will attack. I know that the enemy will use people among you to attack your own members against you. But God is able. God is able. It's the same thing that he says to you and to me. Yes, the, the enemy attacks us daily. And sometimes he even uses ourselves against ourselves. But God is able. So these new believers, they had the memory of this goodbye on the beach. They had the words of this letter that we're about to, about to start reading. How do they tie together? How do they apply to you and me? If you are able, please stand out of respect for the Word of God as we begin Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Hear the Word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, 
the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. Verse 11. In Him also... We have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the, pur- the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Him, in Christ, should be the, to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Thank you. You can have a seat. So, uh, just some, some rich verses, and, and it's, they're, they're deep. And it, it's really easy to, to get lost in all of this wording, but hopefully uh, we will... We will try to make sense of it today. So we've already seen that we are rich. Verse 3, we're blessed in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, verses 4 through 6, they basically just open up a can of worms. And, and there was a time in my, in my ministry that I kind of would have just uh, kind of passed over verses like this. But, but we're going to dive in. It's number 2 on your outline. And it's simply chosen or choice. Chosen or Choice. Let's read them again, verse, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So right there, verses 4 and 5. He chose us, uh, having predestined us. That word predestined, it means to determine in advance by divine will or fate. And so it brings up the question, does God choose some to experience the, the gift of free life and experience uh, eternal life in heaven with Him forever, and He chooses others for the exact opposite. Do we have free will, or are we all just puppets in God's cruel play? Are we chosen, or do we get a choice? Have you ever been asked that question? What would you say? Would you be able to answer that question? Do, are, are we chosen, or do we get a choice? told you, it's a can of worms. Now listen, I know godly people that would answer these questions differently. Uh, I know smarter people than me than, that answer these questions differently than I do. Uh, it, it gets deep. You get into all these isms, Calvinism, Arminianism, Molinism. The, the list just keeps on growing. And if you search through the lens of any of these isms, you can find the same answers, some of the same answers that they found. But after much discussion and many prayers and study, here's how I look at the question of free will versus God's choosing. We have to take it in context of the entire Word of God. 
In Revelation 22, 7, uh, in the KJV, it says, Whosoever will come. Look at it in the, in the New King James. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. That word for desire, it speaks of the will. It speaks of intent. And so according to this, whoever has the will or desire, let him come. John 3.16, in his love, God gave Jesus for the world, but the choice is theirs. I don't believe that God forces any to follow him. Because forced love is really not love. He wants us to choose him, but he will not force us to choose him. I've heard it said like this, that, that God is a gentleman. He will not force his love on us. I mean, if he did, then why didn't he force Adam and Eve not to sin? Well, it's because forced love is not love. He will not force anyone to follow him, even though he could. Now, I believe that that God is completely sovereign. And he knows absolutely everything, including what will happen and what could happen. He knows exactly who will choose him. And he is so sovereign that he can use people's free will to, com- to complete his sovereign will. I mean, think about that for a minute. He can use people's free will to complete his sovereign will. And that is something that only God can do. And you may or may not agree with me, and that's okay. We can still be friends. But either way, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ. And what he did on the cross to pay for my sins and your sins. I think we can all agree Salvation starts and ends with God. And unless the Lord moves in someone's life, a lost sinner will not seek God. But Romans 1 tells us that even creation testifies of the Creator. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. And so when we put all this together, are we chosen or do we get a choice? Well, the answer is yes. God's offer of eternal life is for all. But the choice is up to each one of us. Being sovereign, he, he knows who will choose him. He's always known who would choose him. And those that do are chosen. And because he's always known who will choose them, they are chosen from the foundation of the world. And he uses people's free will to complete his sovereign will, which is something only God can do. And in all of this, the bottom line is, As his followers, he has given us the commission to tell people about him. And listen, church, we can take comfort in that. That salvation does not depend upon you and me. We are only called to go tell people about him, but saving is up to him. Told you, it's a can of worms, right? But hopefully, hopefully this makes sense. He's given each one of us responsibility. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It tells us while God does reveal some things to us, uh, there are some things that are secret that will not make sense. Um, Only God knows they won't make sense to us on this side of life. But rather than getting caught up in this jumbled mess of worms, let's agree to focus on 
what we can agree on. Verse 4, just as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before time began, God knew you. Before time began, God knew me, and he still loved me. That is, that is incredible. Because don't we know that God could have looked at my wicked heart, and he could have said, trade my son for that? I don't think so. And none of us could have argued with him. See the grace of God. It's not what he did. There has never been a time through all eternity past that God did not know you and love you. In fact, he loved you so much that he made you number three on your outline. Adopted. Adopted. Look at verses five and six. Having predestined us to adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I know there are some families here who have experienced adoption, and what a picture of the gospel that is. People who have adopted, they speak of, of, of the first time they see that child, and just, just the, the love welling up in their hearts as if it was one of their own. I have a a pastor friend who has adopted, and he spoke of the the joy in the courtroom the day that little girl became theirs. But he also spoke of the difficulties they had to overcome to get to that point. I've heard multiple stories of the same. Many times, a child is not coming out of good circumstances when they are adopted. And isn't that such a picture of you and me abandoned to our sin, without hope, Without light, just like, we talk, just like we sang this morning, without a future. But in Christ, God brings us into the family to immediately receive the benefits of that family. And church, this reality should make us the most joyous people on the planet. As believers, we're already the richest. We should also be the most joyous. Psalm 32, 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That word impute, uh, we don't use it much, but it means to ascribe something to someone on the merit of someone else. So the doctrine of imputed righteousness, it simply means that a sinner is declared righteous by God's grace through faith in Christ. In this case, in Psalm 32, a sinner is declared not a sinner by God's grace through faith in Christ. And church, that should make us the most joyous people in the world. We could say that there's a disconnect somewhere if a Christian is without joy. And we know plenty of them. Some of you are sitting here today. We, we base our joy on, on things other than Christ. And then when, we, when they let us down, then we don't have any joy. 
like money and toys and family and people, they will always let us down. They will never fulfill our joy. So through studying this, my prayer is that, Lord, help me to find my joy in you. Notice the benefits of being adopted into God's family. The benefits of being in Christ. Verse 3, we've already seen it. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, we stand holy and without blame. We're blameless before Him. This is the uh, doctrine of propitiation. It's, it's another churchy word with a beautiful and deep meaning. It's similar to imputed righteousness. As, as sinful and wicked as our hearts are, on the cross, Jesus took all of my wickedness, all of your wickedness upon Himself, and He paid the price for all of it. And when we place our faith in Him, He puts His righteousness on us so that when God looks down on us, He sees the righteousness of His Son and not our filthy wickedness. And essentially, we just trade coats. And Jesus was willing to do that. We stand without blame before God. Verse 6, we are accepted. We're accepted we're allowed into the family of God because of our status in Christ. In verse 7, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That word redemption, it means released through the payment of a price. And in this case, the price was the blood of Jesus. We have forgiveness because of the blood of Jesus. That word forgive, it means to carry away. No accusation stands against God's people. Psalm 103.12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed or carried away our sins. Look at that verse. Why do you think that uh, God's word uses east and west to describe the distance between us and our sin? Well, it's because we know the distance between north and south. Uh, The North Pole is 8,595.35 miles from the South Pole. The distance from east to west, it's immeasurable. That's how far he takes our sins away. Being adopted into his family comes with immediate benefits. Verse 9, the mystery of salvation has been revealed. The mystery of salvation has been revealed to us. That word mystery, it describes something that was once hidden, uh, something that is hidden from the ungodly, but is now made plain to the godly. Our spiritual eyes have been opened to the truth. Now we can see the truth. We're no longer blind. Verse 11, we've obtained an inheritance. Remember, we're the richest people in the world. In verse 13, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Just like we've seen before, that speaks of our our security. No one and no thing can break that seal. Once saved, always saved. Just like I can't be good enough to earn my salvation, neither can I be bad enough to, to lose my salvation. Because my salvation doesn't depend upon me. It depends upon Jesus Christ. It depends on me being in Christ. Church, just take a moment 
And look at this list. As Sandy comes uh, for, for our invitation song. Look at this list. Can we put it back up there, guys? All these benefits that we have in Christ. You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. As a believer in Christ, you stand without blame. Satan doesn't want you to hear that. But that's the truth. And maybe you say, well, you don't, you don't know my past. God does. And you stand without blame in Christ. You are accepted in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. The price has been paid for all your sin. The mystery of salvation has been revealed. Your eyes are, are open. You have an inheritance, and we've only scratched the surface. We have no idea the riches of heaven. We are sealed. Spend a minute and look at that list. Which one means the most to you right now? Where you currently are in your walk with Christ, which one means the most? A lot of times we think of uh, the benefits of knowing Jesus. The big one is, is, is eternal life. All but daily. Daily we have benefits. These are just some of them. Relationship with Christ doesn't just affect my eternity. It affects here and now. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes as you just consider who you are in Christ? Believer, don't grow weary in moving forward in your faith because one day it will all be worth it. If you're here this morning and you would honestly say, you know what, I'm not so sure that I am in Christ. Think about your life. Was there a time that you surrendered to Him, to what He did on the cross? You admitted that you were a sinner. You were willing to turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus. You believe that He is the sinless, one and only Son of God. The only one that can save you from your sins. You confessed Him as Lord of your life. Do you remember a time when you did that? If not, the call is for today. The offer of salvation is for today. The offer of adoption into God's family is for today. The offer of all these benefits are for today. I'm just going to have a, a song playing. You need to come and pray. The altar will be open. You need somebody to pray with you. Maybe you need to make a public profession of faith for the first time ever. Come as God leads. Let's stand.
Let's sing the chorus. Then sings my soul. Then sings my soul. Amen. Amen. I want to, uh, I want to thank you for coming out. Uh, actually, you can have a seat because, uh, yeah, Brother Kevin, he is ready to go. Um, so just a few quick announcements, and then we're going to be dismissed with a baptism. Sounds okay, doesn't it? Okay. It sounds okay, right? Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, so see at the poll is this Wednesday uh, before school, 7 o'clock. Uh, that night, see you after the poll, 7 o'clock. Uh, Cal will not meet this week here, uh, but we will. all the youth groups are getting together and meeting at, the, uh, at Life Church. And so, um, man, students, invite your friends. It's a great opportunity for you to stand up for your faith, students and, and faculty as well. So I know we had a couple more announcements. Jess? Okay, so next Sunday, Taste of Christmas is coming up. If you are interested in hosting a table, there will be a meeting next Sunday after the second service, after this service. Um, also next week, there will be a meeting for all the uh, committee chairmen. Uh, they're going to be meeting with the finance committee next week after church. So uh, please uh, keep that in mind. Uh, and if you are a chairman of a committee, uh, please make every effort to come. Kevin, take us away, man. Over the past couple of years, and uh, he wasn't quite ready, and he 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 was saved. He he knows when he was saved. He was very confident about that, and so we asked him about baptism. And so here we are, a few years down the road, and uh, he is ready to be baptized. And so uh, we already voted on him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I am. Uh, I just love this kid. I've been in his life since he was he was tiny, and uh, it's just very encouraging to see spiritual growth among such uh, such young young people in this church. And so I'm very thankful. Perfect sermon to go with today uh, that sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how uh, he he was saved whenever he accepted Jesus into his heart. And this is just the outward representation of what's going on. And so uh, it's my honor to be able to baptize Walker here this morning. Walker, upon your profession of faith and obedience to his commands, by the authority of First Baptist Church of Potosi, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you are buried with him under death, and raised to walk. Amen. Thanks for coming out. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Community groups start tonight. Don't forget.